Shurabindo's main work, at least one of the most important work, has been to awaken and install the divine Shakti in the heart of humanity, in the heart of earth. Not that the Shakti was uh, not there earlier, she has always been there, nothing in this creation can stir without the Shakti. But she has been in the background. And what we see with Sri is that he brings the Shakti into the forefront of the human quest. And this is something of unparalleled significance. During the Freedom India's uh, Freedom Movement, we see that Shobindo installs the Shakti in the heart of the Indian people, awakening them to the strength that is innate within. We know how the song Bande Matram was used so effectively and powerfully. Then subsequently, when the Shakti was awakened and he knew that this is, once the Shakti is awakened, the result is inevitable. Nothing can stop. Because with her is the victorious force of the Supreme. Then he moved on to the larger sphere of humanity, starting with a small nucleus, where once again he established and installed the Divine Mother as the Shakti, right into the forefront. And he stepped behind which is where always we see in creation the Ishwara is, he stands behind and the Shakti is in the forefront. And then when he withdrew, it's a very awkward word, <laughs> because <laughs> where will Shyavinda withdraw? <laughs> but uh, human language is very inadequate when we talk about uh, deeper truths and when it comes to Mother and Shyavinda is completely inadequate. But still, for the sake of um, the limits of our sight, when he withdrew from the limits of our sight, he once again installed the Shakti in the heart of humanity through the mantric power of Savitri. See, again we see the same gift is uh, 50 to 51, that's the birth year of Savitri. Uh, it's the gift that he has given to mankind. And through all this, finally the Install, he installed and established the supramental Mahashakti for the creation to march further. So Savitri seen thus is essentially the story of the Divine Mother. If we really look at Savitri from beginning to end and when spontaneously it came um, to us and Sadhavan agreed that yes, uh, we should speak about the, the Divine Mother in Savitri because this is the hundred years of the Mother's final coming to India, Pondicherry. I didn't uh, imagine that it's a very vast subject. <laughs> the whole of Savitri is the story of the Divine Mother. And I didn't want to pick up some passages randomly and uh, you know just read out. So she is the inspirer, the guide, the leader. So what I felt is let's run through Savitri as a story of the Divine Mother and how it develops as the story of the Divine Mother. Savitri is seen from that, which indeed it is. So we see right in the opening scene of Savitri, Book 1, Canto 1, Shubindos gives a hint what is coming, what is going to come. And the hint is in the form of symbol of dawn, just like morning, dawn, brings the light and energy of the sun to the earth. It's the same truth which is inside the sun, the same light, force, splendor 
which reaches out to earth. This is the big difference when it comes to the Vedantic ways of turning to the Purusha, we have to travel. <laughs> but the Divine Mother comes down. It's a very symbol. She, she comes right into the very soil of earth nature. Those marvelous lines we read in Canto 1. Even our prostrate soil bore the awakening ray. And then the great assurance, all can be done if the God touches there. So her coming and touching earth is itself the beginning of a marvelous change. And what does she bring as gift when the Divine Mother comes to earth, when mothers go to their child's home? They bring number of gifts. So here we have those gifts. The proud and conscious wideness. She brings wideness. She brings bliss. The key to the flaming doors of ecstasy. All this she comes to give us. It's a different story what we ask from her. <laughs> But she comes to give us the key to the flaming doors of ecstasy. And she brings on the one side these gifts. Second, she wants to ensure that our life, our future, the future of earth and humanity is secure. So how does she make it secure? We have in the opening canto itself that she has come to wrestle with doom. She has come to once again the sacrifice that Man offers constantly. We don't know our whole life, if we look at it from one angle, is an unconscious sacrifice. Unfortunately, it is a sacrifice to the neither gods. But yet, as the Gita says, ultimately it reaches the supreme and something comes down, trickling down. But this sacrifice, she starts for the sake of humanity. She starts the process of giving, assuming a human form, a human face, a human body. And this itself is the great sacrifice of the Divine Mother the holocaust of the supreme in creation. So this is how Savitri opens. But who is Savitri? We have a wonderful um, you know, description of Savitri's being. And from there we can start. It's one of the most exquisite passages. But leaving aside its poetic beauty and its, uh, I mean, which is of course endless. For me, many of these things in Savitri personally are uh, a personal example and inspiration what we should be Shobindo spends quite um, a number of pages in essays on the Gita on this one or half a phrase of Sri Krishna when he says that God's own example he, he tells Arjuna that look you know even if I don't do anything there is nothing which is going to happen to me but still I come to set an example if I don't work the worlds would perish so she comes to give us a living example of what we should be. So when the divine comes, he by his own life shows us what we should become and of course also gives us the simplest way of becoming and that we of course uh, she will reveal subsequently, Savitri itself will reveal to us the shortest, the surest, the swiftest way is through love. After all, don't we become uh, in the image of that whom we love. So, Savitri comes as the embodiment of love. She has come to fight doom, but this time she has come armed with a weapon as never before. And it's the weapon of love which has a transforming power in it. So, this is page 15. <clears throat> and I am just reading from uh, somewhere down the middle, few lines. Her look 
Her smile evokes celestial sense. Even in earth stuff and their intense delight, poured a supernal beauty on men's lives. Even her smile, her silence, her speech, her look, they are all in action. Her presence is in action. And then comes these very inspiring lines. A wide self-giving was her native act. Divine comes to teach us. What is it to be like a God? We are busy wanting, wanting, wanting. Even when we go to the divine, we want, want, want. The problem of want is that even if the abyss is filled, there will still be want. Because want comes from the abyss, from the inconscient. It is the original want. The want comes when there is separation. And the divine pours his heart of love into this. So she has come to give. To give and give at all levels. That's the beauty. Uh, she repeatedly says, you can ask anything from me. And uh, it doesn't depend on whether we collaborate or not collaborate. She says, what, uh, when she was asked, uh, what do you expect from us? She said, nothing. What can we expect from you? Everything. Everything is everything. And then, you know, human mind is like, you know, always twisted and uh, so maybe she has said everything, she doesn't mean it because we human beings say something and mean something else. So like a googly, the disciple again asked, is humanity fulfilling your expectations? You see, this is the same question but turned upon the, the top on its head. She says, since I expect nothing, I cannot answer this question. So we see here, a white self-giving was a native act, a magnanimity as of sea or sky, enveloped with its greatness all that came and gave a sense as of a great end world. None is outcast for her. None is too low as not to be accepted by her. None is too great who cannot be enveloped by her vastness and a greater greatness can open its doors. Everyone, whoever came to her, from the child in the kindergarten, nursery, school, to the saint, the sages, the seers, to the prime ministers and the presidents, to the commoner, everybody could walk to her. And what she was doing? Opening the doors to greatness. This is the difference between the divine action and the action of an exalted humanity. Exalted humanity, when you go to them, they make you feel you are inferior. I'll give you something. You know, the other day somebody was saying, how about forgiveness? I said, it's not a very good term. Mother speaks about it. It's like I am somebody superior and I forgive you, you lowly creature. What was the mother's action? She exalted, greatened, heightened. That's why she says, true surrender enlarges you, it aggrandizes, people are afraid of it. Of course, it will take away all that is dark, all that is ego-based, all that it will remove. But what it will give in return and all the beauty, all the goodness, all the qualities which are still in the making, they will blossom and reach its perfect fruition. And gave a sense of as of a greatened world. Her kindly care was a sweet, temperate sun. Because the divine has come as mother. The other day I was telling those with the Indian background and of course um, divine has come everywhere. And if you are a follower of Rama, you have to you know, be a warrior, be willing to go to the jungle 
and fight <laughs> the battle. <laughs> if you are a follower of Krishna, be ready to abandon everything like the gopis and come there or to fight under the Chakradhari's great flag. If you are a follower of Christ, another avatar, you have to be ready to sacrifice and forgive from the cross. But if you are a child of the mother, what does she do? Kindly care. Receive her care. Receive her love. That's why repeatedly Shobindu speaks of openness and receptivity. If you look at the letters towards the later part, he keeps emphasizing on openness and receptivity to the mother. And what is strange is when people say this yoga is so difficult. So either one has not walked the path, I am sorry to say, or one has not read all that Shobindu has said. So this yoga is, Shobindu says in synthesis, seen from the point of view of the goal, the most difficult of all. But seen from the point of view of the method, the easiest of all. Because surrender is beginning and surrender is the end. Her kindly care was a sweet, temperate sun. Her high passion a blue heavens equipoise. What do we experience when we go to her? All of us, I am sure. As might a soul fly like a hunted bird, escaping with tired wings from a world of storms, and a quiet reach like a remembered breast, in a haven of safety and splendid soft repose, one could drink life back in streams of honey fire, recover the lost habit of happiness. So people ask, what miracle have you experienced after coming in contact with the mother? Just before I started, somebody was narrating me some story and said, you know, uh, I wish the mother did some miracle like... Um, XYZ Guru, that somebody did something wrong and his hand was paralyzed. I said, God, Lord. <laughs> so what miracle mother does? We recover the lost habit of happiness. Is it a small thing? <laughs> you see, if we, as we grow through adulthood, this is something we lose. We don't even realize we have lost it. And to once again recover it, we try all artificial means. From money to relationships to cars and objects and extreme cases, drugs and alcohol, just to recover that which we have lost, which we were born with. It was a free gift. And we lose it. That's a different story. So what does she give? First thing, you know, when you go to a big conference, they give you a bag full of, full of things. <laughs> First thing you get is recover the lost habit of happiness. couple of lines below, who she is, a deep of compassion, a hushed sanctuary. Her inward help unbarred a gate in heaven. Love in her was wider than the universe. The whole world could take refuge in her single heart. So, she is not just the mother of Shurabindu Ashram. She is not just the mother of Auroville. She is not just the mother of this or that center. The whole world she would want becomes the garden house of the Lord. This is something she wrote also when um, Rabindraji once asked her that, look, you know, he had left everything and come. But some of the family members, much later, they wanted to come. This 71. By then the ashram was already, you know, Choke full of devotees, if I may say so. So he asked that now they want to come, what do I do? She said, 
if it was up to me, I would want the whole world to be here in the ashram. But my means are limited. Material means are limited. But look at her heart that she would want the whole creation, the whole world to take refuge. And that's how I look at it. You know, even the birds, the squirrels and every creature that is there is under her shelter. Here, there, everywhere. Now, this is the opening first two cantos of Savitri and then, of course, comes the story starts as we know in a flashback, the whole Savitri is about 18 hours <laughs> primarily. So, how did she come down? Who called her down? She is here upon earth, but what was it? And so we have Vashupati introduced to us who embodies within him the anguish and the aspiration of earth. So he is God's delegate in humanity, representative of the divine, who must embody what we experience and carry it right up to the divine mother. So we see that Ashupati engages in a yoga and as he engages in the yoga, at one point after he had what is so much, uh, you know, celebrated as self-realization and the Brahman, he, he wants that state to be embodied in the very body. The ideal which he has glimpsed must be now his home. Even the body must experience it. This is a completely new aspiration for earth. Otherwise, we have to withdraw in great Samadhi, trance and have some glimpse. But he wants that state to be right in the very body cells. And in response to his aspiration, he experienced something which has never happened before. A violent ecstasy, a sweetness dire. In a moment, greater than death, shorter than time, by a power more ruthless than love. So, he suddenly experiences the descent of, you know, this, this line reminds me of Kali and Krishna in Shurabindu's own yoga. Uh, there was a stage when constantly they were working uh, in his consciousness. A violent ecstasy, a sweetness dire. A violent ecstasy is certainly Kali aspect of the Divine Mother who slays the ego and liberates the soul into ecstasy. And sweetness dire, he is the uh, Gopala with the flute, but don't be misled. The chakra is going to come behind. He is not just standing on the Yamuna, but also he stands on the battlefield of Kurukshetra as the leader of the march of mankind. So he is a sweetness dire. So when he experiences it, this is the transformation that starts. Because in his own body, this aspiration is awakened. And then comes the great renunciation. People speak about renunciation of Buddha, of Mahabira, and, and of course, uh, each renunciation is something powerful in its own right. But Shurabindo, as the mother writes on the Samadhi, he renounced, uh, or after his physical withdrawal, he renounced the realization in his own body so that it can take place for the whole earth. So at that point of time, we see a departure taking place, first departure in Shurabindo's yoga when he experiences the descent, which has not been there in old yogas. If, if somebody experienced a little bit, it's incidental. As Shurabindo remarked when Dilip Kumar Roy asked him, that has there never been any descent in previous yogas? He said, if at all, it has been incidental, some illumination in the mind. But that's not what he calls his transformation. But now he says, he has grown too wide. A single freedom cannot satisfy a heart that has grown one with every heart. So he says, no, 
This must happen for all. And he renounces the realization in his own body for the hastening of the collective realization. And then starts a long, long journey undertaken through Advas Tapasya in book 2, where he is running upstream as it were, catching the rays of the sun and climbing up, up, up to find where is the source, where is this power coming down, this transformative alchemist energy. And he meets, there are spaces, levels, where he has some glimpse of that power. And one of the places where he first glimpses, I mean, there are several places, but one of the places where we can pause a little is in the kingdoms of the greater mind. So that's where he sees that the Divine Mother, her energies, her power has come into the cabin of the idea. Man is tying her down by conception snooze, believing that this is it. You know, in, in, in Tantric sometimes tried this to draw the Divine Mother through the power of the mantra, yantra and puja. This is the upasana of the tantric method. Through these means, they call the Divine Mother and try to, you know, fix it in a space or something. But what really it is, Shubhinda reveals to us on page 275. She accepts to come, but we should not be mistaken that it has nothing to do with our greatness, our tapasya. It is simply the grace. She can accept to come to, you know, anyone who calls with a sincere heart. On page 275, a few lines from below. Into thoughts, narrow limits, she has come. Even if we were to write books after books, there have been so many wonderful hymns uh, and books. If you see Tantrasar, I mean, they're books on Tantra, on worship of the Divine Mother, the Puranas, and of course she's there even in the Vedas, the Upanishads, she's hinted in the Gita and many countless devotees. Still, this is still only a limited understanding, limited glimpse. She made earth her home for whom heaven was too small. In a human breast her occult presence lived. Into thoughts, narrow limits, she has come. Her greatness, she has suffered to be pressed into the little cabin of the idea. So when people speak about, I, I've heard some very interesting things. I don't mind sharing when there was conception of the Divine Mother. So this, there was a seminar on conception of the Divine Mother. So I said, I don't understand the subject. <laughs> Divine Mother is not a conception. She is a living reality and a living truth for one who undertakes the journey. It's not a conception. We should not reduce her to a conception of Divine Mother in this age, in that. That's the way academics you know, work. But nevertheless, she says, okay, I'll come in the cabin of the little idea. But on the next page, Shurabindu reminds us, but thought nor word can seize eternal truth. The whole world lives in a lonely ray of her sun. Instead of wanting her to be limited by the idea, we should give ourselves to her. In our thinkings, close and narrow lamplit house, the vanity of our shut mortal mind, dreams that the chains of thought have made her ours, but only we play with our own brilliant bonds, tying her down, it is ourselves we tie. So many times she reminds you know, when people quote her, 
Mother says so, mother likes this, mother does not like this. She says, what do you know? <laughs> she may act in one way in a given circumstance and in a different thing, completely differently, even with the same person, same uh, situation, she has changed the viewpoint and the disciple couldn't understand. So he asked the mother, mother, you have changed your opinion. She said, no, I don't act according to opinions. <laughs> I have no, in fact, she says, thankfully, I have no opinions. As things change, action changes. And uh, Amalda gives, gives a beautiful example that how when once he approached the mothers in context of Savitri that I want to, you know, uh, maybe uh, few corrections, so-called corrections in Savitri so that people don't understand, uh, misunderstand, etc., etc. So mother looked at him and said, not a comma is to be changed like a Mahakali. Not a comma is to be changed. And she says, see, he went back, then he uh, you s- looked within and saw, was there some bit of arrogance on my part? Was there something within me feeling proud that I am going to help in the work or something like that? So after some time, he went again to the mother with the same issue when the final you know, printing had to come and he explained to mother, this is how it is that. She said, yes, completely different. He notes it. He says that, you know, when he went with the with a very different state, then it was Karuna Mai that yes, uh, whatever some changes which were, they are not changes actually, it's because anyways, I don't want to get into that, so many scripts and transcripts and you know, it's a whole complex issue. But the point was that depending on the change within the disciple, she could change the very next moment. It is not a change of opinion, but our state of consciousness, if that changes, Everything changes. So this is what she comes to teach us and show us. But still we say mother quote, mother said so, so much so that once somebody quoted Shiorabindo to the mother. He said, mother, Shiorabindo has said, truth and falsehood cannot live together. Why are you keeping them together? (laughs) So mother laughed. He said, everybody believes they are in truth and others are in falsehood. How do I tell them that everybody has their own little falsehood <laughs> clinging? And then she says, not only Shurabindo, they quote me also and tell me, they reminded me, mother, you have written cling to truth. He said, what can I do? <laughs> yes, I wrote it. But that's not what I meant. So then the disciple asked, what is truth? And that gives us a hint again. She said, truth cannot be defined. But if you want to live it, it will reveal itself to you. And then she says, the only word that comes closest to it is the word dharma. It is not something fixed. It's not a rigid uh, edict firmly engraved in rock. Thou shalt do this and thou shalt not do this. Truth is not like that. It evolves. It changes. Like for a child, there is one way of being and becoming. And for an adult, another. For an old man, another. For a wise man, another. For a stupid man, another. For everybody. It's something that grows and opens and unfolds and evolves and helps us on the journey. So we, we, we should be very careful not to reduce our words into a rigid dogma. So what we should do, and she say, he says, thus is it even with the seer and the sage. We see not what small figure of her we hold, we share not her immortal liberty, Thus is it even with the seer and the sage, for still the human limits the divine. 
A divine is infinite. He is not a uh, fixed something. So what we should do? Here comes the hint. Out of our thoughts we must leap up to sight. Breathe her divine, illimitable air. Her simple, vast supremacy confess. Dare to surrender to her absolute. Then the unmanifest reflects his form in the still mind as in a living glass. The timeless ray descends into our hearts and we are wrapped into eternity. The surrender opens the doors to that immortal ecstasy. For truth is wider, greater than her forms. A thousand icons they have made of her and find her in the idols they adore. But she remains herself and infinite. So this is the command to us. But the beauty or the strangeness of human nature, as someone has said that only two things are infinite, the universe and human stupidity, about the former one may doubt. So... Man says, dare to surrender to her absolute. Her simple vast supremacy confessed. So you see the web of thought. Oh, this is another cult created around the mother. Out of her thoughts we must leap up, up to sight. So Ashupati goes beyond and what that surrender is, is described very beautifully. Uh, by the thought we cannot know her. So, But there is another way through which we can go. So we see when he approaches, Ashupati approaches through the thought. He enters into the self of the mind. It's a vast impersonality. It doesn't allow him to go further. There is no, it's like if you want to go further, extinction. That's it. Soul escape. So he takes another route. He is seeking, seeking and an answer comes and he is drawn into a tunnel. And at the end of that there is light and what he uh, sees. And that is something very marvelous. And uh, it is described in on... Uh, page yes on page 295 here again we have uh, a living first time we have a darshan of the divine mother see often people speak about darshan and we are, we are having darshan day uh, recently and uh, you know Shurabindu has made darshan so sahaj sulab so easy simple natural there are places in Savitri where there is actually a living darshan of the divine mother and of course of the Supreme Lord. This is one such place where we have the first glimpse of the Divine Mother as the World Mother, as the Universal Mother. And it's only by her grace that one can go beyond. No human effort or tapasya can take us. Even when it seems like that. See, see Raman Maharshi followed the way of uh, Jnana Yoga and he reached that uh, point and... Um, at one point when he was um, struggling, moving from here and to there, suddenly he met an old woman who tells him, Why are you so restlessly moving from here to there? Why don't you stay at one place? Where should I stay? Stay here in Arunachal. So this, when it was asked to Shirbindo, he says, Yes, it was the Divine Mother who came to show him the way. See in the life of Buddha, acknowledged or unacknowledged, Buddha is struggling, trying so much. One day, the Divine Mother comes as Sujata. Thankfully, in Gaya, now they have a temple dedicated to Sujata. At least they have acknowledged her that she was a power of the Divine Mother. And she comes as an ordinary common folk and gives him some uh, something pious. 
and he sees he is sitting so tense, tight. <laughs> what does she do? Just relaxes him. Don't tighten yourself so much the bowstring that it snaps. Don't keep it so lax that you can't use it. And he gets the hint. So everywhere throughout we see in the history of mankind, uh, evolve, evolution history, that she has always been there, but in the background. Here we have the Divine Mother opening the gates of infinity for Ashwapati to facilitate his quest. Page 295 Behind them in a morning dusk one stood who brought them forth from the unknowable. Ishwara and Ishwari. Ever disguised she awaits the seeking spirit watcher on the supreme unreachable peaks Guide of the traveller of the unseen paths, she guards the austere approach to the alone. Even the tapaswin, who claims that it's by his own effort, she still keeps a watch, guides, helps, gives an indication. Based on his faith or the absence of faith, she leads him through the journey and he thinks it's my own effort of tapasya. But where does the power of tapasya come from? It comes from the Divine Mother. At the beginning of each far-spread plane, she is the universal mother and she is there on each plane of consciousness, waiting for the seeker, pervading with her power the cosmic suns. She reigns, inspirer of its multiple works and thinker of the symbol of its scene. Above them all, she stands, supporting all. The sole omnipotent goddess ever veiled, of whom the world is the inscrutable mask. Any which way, any aspect of the world, we take out, go deep, deep, deep within, we will meet the divine Shakti standing there. The ages are the footfalls of her tread, their happenings, the figure of her thoughts, and all creation is her endless act. Whatever she has conceived, that will be. There is no way it cannot be. It may take a war, it may take uh, centuries, but that is going to be. It cannot be changed because she is the one who conceives and the rest follows. So what Ashupati does, he does what we see there in greater mind. His spirit was made a vessel of her force, mute in the fathomless passion of his will. He outstretched to her his folded hands of prayer. Then in a sovereign answer to his heart, a gesture came as a world's thrown away. The Divine Mother says, okay, what do you want? She throws away the worlds. You want all these worlds? You can take them. All these worlds, the triple worlds of body, life and mind and you can become king over them. Sovereign, the great emperor. You want these worlds? You can take it. With one arm she is giving. Because Ashupati has done the tapasya and the surrender. By the other arm she does something else. And from a raiment's lustrous mystery raised, one arm half parted the eternal veil. On the one side, what do you want? All the glory and greatness of the worlds. On the other side, do you want the eternal? A light appeared. Still and imperishable, attracted to the large and luminous depths of the ravishing enigma of her eyes, he saw the mystic outline of a face. Look at the darshan. 
overwhelmed by her implacable light and bliss, an atom of her illimitable self. Who is Ashupati? He is Tapaswin, great yogin. What does he experience himself as? An atom of her illimitable self, mastered by the honey and lightning of her power, tossed towards the shores of her ocean ecstasy, drunk with a deep golden spiritual wine, he cast from the rent stillness of his soul a cry of adoration and desire. And the surrender of his boundless mind and the self-giving of his silent heart, he fell down at her feet, unconscious, prone. One cannot remain conscious in that blaze. And this is the universal mother. And the arm parts the eternal veil and Ashupati goes further because he is in search of that which can transmute. The universal mother can give all that is there in creation within the cosmic consciousness. But if there has to be something more, one has to go to the transcendent. So Ashupati goes further because she knows his heart. He doesn't want this. He wants something else, something new, something which has never been on earth, which he wants to be. And he goes further and he is face to face with the transcendent mother going past the gates of the unknowable. And of course, we all are aware of this wonderful passage, very long passage. I'll just read a few lines from here and there. As she comes out, as he stands on the gates of the unknowable, he has to make a choice. The choice is like many yogis of past, well, a few yogis. <laughs> so, dissolve in the supreme consciousness, in the ineffable and be done with birth and life and death and rebirth. Or to bring something of that and recreate this world and mind and life. Ashupati obviously has chosen the second one. But he doesn't know how it will come through. He stands at the doors of the unknowable. You can't know it. He has to reveal himself. But it's a she. So someone comes out of the unknowable. You see this God being a woman, Sherbinder describes that. That as long as I worshipped God as a woman, I knew something about him from far off. But when I became a woman, then I had the full mystery. So this is where he stands. Even while he stood on being's naked edge, trip over that side and gone. No Ashupati, no creation, nothing else. And all the passion and seeking of his soul faced their extinction in some featureless vast. The presence he yearned for suddenly do close. This is the uh, thin line over which Sri Ramakrishna must have stood when he said, whoever has a glimpse of that side, haha kore gire pade, he vanishes into that. <laughs> he falls and vanishes. Or the great Upanishad declares, what can one speak about that mystery? Ha ha, he he, hu hu. There is nothing you can say. Every word that you utter will be a blasphemy before that. And then he, you know, glimpse of the transcendent mother. Out of a marvelous transcendence core, a body of wonder and translucency. As if a sweet mystic summary of herself escaping into the original bliss had come enlarged out of eternity. 
someone came infinite and absolute a being of wisdom power and delight even as a mother draws her child to her arms took to her breast nature and world and soul here is he finds yes this is what i am seeking she is the one whom i am seeking and this beautiful passage goes on closing with these lines she is the golden bridge the wonderful fire next page i have turned the page page 314 okay i'll read from here at the head she stands of birth and toil and fate in their slow round the cycles turn to her call alone her hands can change times dragon base hers is the mystery the night conceals the spirits alchemist energy is hers she is the one who can transmute matter and divinize it the luminous heart of the unknown is she a power of silence in the depths of god she is the force the inevitable word the magnet of a difficult ascent this word is the word supreme word of creation and when she was asked but mother in indian mythology it is written that the word of creation came from brahma what do you have to say about it so the mother says yes but hasn't shubhendra said that i am the mother of brahma <laughs> it's there actually it is there in the you know if you read the puranas it's there she is the mother of brahma vishnu mahesh and there is not one there are countless brahma vishnu mahesh they also have a term incidentally no nobody enjoys termless power except the absolute <laughs> so if any of us thinks that i am going to re- you know enjoy power right till my last breath it's a you know <laughs> it's only given to the absolute because they know what power means it's they <laughs> nothing else so but here she comes the sun from which we kindle all our suns aditi the light that leans from the unrealized vasts the joy that beckons from the impossible the might of all that never yet came down we know of the mother as might durga kali and countless other forms but there is still greater power which has never come down upon earth and that he glimpses all nature dumbly calls to her alone to heal with her feet the aching throb of life and break the seals on the dim soul of man and kindle her fire in the closed heart of things so every time we have a pain we shouldn't have a pain mother doesn't want us to have pain but it's a beautiful opportunity to remember her ma 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 because she alone can heal and uh, i remember one incidence of jugalda he had a corn on his leg very painful for many days and every time would walk with a limp and so someone told him what is it it's a corn okay why don't you get operated he said no 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 don't say that why you don't believe in doctors no no doctors are all very nice people <laughs> then what is it you know every time i have pain i say ma inwardly so it's so wonderful it's making me remember her get it that's how so ashpati is now face to face with the divine mother and she appears and she knows his heart 
and she first cautions him my fire and sweetness are the cause of life but too immense my danger and my charm awake not the immeasurable descent truth born too soon might break the imperfect earth he says don't don't try you are calling me down but be careful this is not just uh, some uh, god like energy it is the supreme energy and what's going to happen to earth so ashpati is of course he is the god's delegate in humanity he is our representative so he says yes i know but if you come down and prepare earth now he is <laughs> you know <laughs> uh, like you have those um, you know tapasvis and then the divine appears and he says no i can't grant you this so most people ask a second boon but ashpati is wisest of the wise so he says yes i understand what you are saying but mother why don't you come down assume a human body and prepare us is there a problem with that so we have one of those wonderful lines uh, on page 345 o truth defended in thy secret sun voice of a mighty musings in shut heavens on things withdrawn within her luminous depths o wisdom splendor mother of the universe creatrix the eternal's artist bride linger not long with thy transmuting hand pressed vainly on one golden bar of time as if time dare not open its heart to god o radiant fountain of the world's delight world free and unattainable above o bliss who ever dwellest deep hid within while men seek the outside and never find mission to earth some living form of thee and the mother agrees tathastu so be it but she says i'll choose my moment so when will you come mother when darkness deepens strangling the earth's breast in death's tremendous hour why let that fellow do my work a little bit clear the ground a seed shall be sown in death's tremendous hour a branch of heaven transplanted to human soil mortality shall overleap humanity man shall overleap her mortal step fate nature shall overleap her mortal step fate shall be changed by an unchanging will let there be some preparation the background wherever the mother went you see uh, when she went to france after her return in 1915 she says wherever she went revolution started all kinds of things started even earlier in her previous incarnations you see mother's name associated with revolutions we should not uh, imagine god is a pacifist who comes and says please you know krishna comes and there is revolution <laughs> the mother goes russian revolution this revolution everywhere you know french revolution all these moments so when she went to france there was all kinds of activities attacks everything was happening so she had to move away from there because france was not ready to contain that shakti so she goes all the way to japan little quiet <laughs> and then when she comes to india but before that now death's tremendous hour it knows its game is up so in a last ditch attempt there is the whole world is engulfed on the one side in the first great war and on the other side in the 
influenza epidemic. More people, by the way, died of that. For those who are worried and afraid of the <laughs> coronavirus, well, most people died of influenza in the First World War than by the war itself. And yet humanity advances, you know, because before she came, and she even said, because she was coming, the, all the vital forces stooped down to earth to make sure, but they end up doing her work. They cleared the ground, created everything afresh. Otherwise, man would have said, we are very fine. We don't need, you know, you need a kansa, unfortunately, for Krishna to come. So she grants and then we have those, uh, you know, the Divine Mother is on earth. And Shobindu describes very beautifully the whole long passage. One had returned from the transcendent planes, page 353. And bore anew the load of mortal breath, who had striven of old with her darkness and her pain. She took again her divine unfinished task. This is not the first time she has come. This is not the first time that all of us have come. That's what she says. When somebody asks the mother, Mother, have we all met in previous lives? She says, yes. But you don't remember, I remember. We have shared the effort. And the struggle, we shall share the victory. But victory, whenever, right now, let's come together. There is a joy of the effort. So she allows us to take the joy of the effort. Some people get so worried. Oh, how many centuries it will take for the supramental body? Well, if you keep waiting, thinking like this, for you it will stay here. <laughs> Let it take centuries. It means centuries of her seva, centuries of her service. How beautiful this is. The joy of service. The ananda of service through which we are prepared. So she comes with all that. And then we have on the next page 357. The divine advent with herself. She is divine from the birth. As Shabindu puts it. But it is a progressive manifestation of the divinity. As the instruments develop. This divine consciousness which she has brought with her. And along with that. Something new which is not there within the cosmic consciousness. That is the beauty, you know, that she brings that. So when in Ramayana there is a description of the marriage of Rama and Sita. So when the marriage is going to take place, all the gods have come to, you know, it's a, they know that it's not just an ordinary marriage. So they suddenly see Brahma says, look at that flower. So Vishnu says, what about it? He says, I have not created this. Where does it come from? So the gods nudge him. Please, don't you know it is the Divine Mother's wedding? There will be things which you have never dreamed. <laughs> they will also be here. So she has brought something new. A new epiphany appeared in her. And what is that new? As from the soil sprang glory of branch and flower, as from the animal's life rose thinking man, a new epiphany appeared in her. A mind of light. This is something she brought with her. Now, What is this mind of light? Shubhinda speaks about it much later at great length. The first thing that the supermind will do. A mind of light is no more in ignorance. It's not yet reached the supramental. But it is a mind which is already, now the luminous mind, it will take us towards that. The fundamental ignorance is gone. So it's a mind of light. The first thing that will manifest which will become the link for man's ascension. A mind of light, 
life of rhythmic force. So she comes and attunes us again. We have lost that rhythm. Appropriate to man as an evolutionary being. A body instinct with hidden divinity. We have lost the instinct of the animal. Good. But we don't know. We are trying to do it with the mind. But ultimately we have to discover the intuition. That's how man's journey. It's a body instinct with divinity. And there are so many examples of mother's life. And she gives so many examples that when you pick up something, you should know with the hands. Uh, how many, how much, all this instinct with divinity. Uh, one example that I often remember when she's uh, sitting in a car and suddenly a cobra slithers somehow and sits on her lap and with the hood. Now you see, body instinct with divinity means what? She looks into the cobra's eyes. God knows what conversed. He must have seen Shiva and she must have said, I am in Uma's form. <laughs> you are not supposed to be around my neck. <laughs> so after some time she said, okay, now enough. So he just put his head down and went away. He must have come for darshan, all creatures come. So the disciple told, mother, this is too dangerous. You should have killed this fellow. So mother said, what, killed? Don't you know I am the mother? Instinct with divinity, the body itself, it's not even some thought or something. The body knows spontaneously and that she describes several times. Prepared an image of the coming God. So she comes and then we have a beautiful description. Um, how she has come and she's humanity of various types, shades uh, uh, comes to her. You know, in, in France she had started uh, the new idea group and subsequently in different places. And all kinds of humanity were coming. And then she also met a number of uh, beings and um, people in other worlds and uh, this world. But whom is she going to choose now as partners of this great game? Because the divine is not playing with marionettes. When Niruddha asked Shurabindu that uh, why, I mean, why is effort needed from our side? He said because divine is, it's a real thing. Divine is not playing with marionettes. It's not a puppet show going on. If it's a puppet show, then there's no evolution. And then we won't even deserve, you know, a puppet may be, um, you, we can paint it into looking like a king and queen. But they are not kings and queens. Within it is still the same material. So we have to go through that evolutionary process. So there is something which man has to do and she is in search of, we have the Canto quest, that she is in search of what kind of material she needs. Who is that person who will be picked up by her? Not Satyavan is not just one person. There is a little Satyavan in all of us who is ready for her. And we have a description of Satyavan where he he is, uh, says that if I found the self, I, I left the world, lost the world. When I found the world, I lost the self. But I want the two to be braced. Satyavan is not a seeker after nirvana. He had the experience. He is a Veda knower of the unwritten book. He wants the great reconciliation. Creation and the creator, world and God, spirit and nature. Satyavan is he. And all the way she comes... In quest, looking for Satyavan. What a beautiful symbol this is. We don't, um, we talk about, you know, going in search of God. But as he said that when the being is ready, Shobindra has said, and all mystics have said, when you are ready, the guru and the guide come to you. So we shouldn't worry about that part. We should worry about what we have to do. 
she comes to us where does she come does she go to some hermitages and looking for some swadhu sanyasi whom she can hand pick for a work no she goes past all of them they are too satisfied with their realizations some are uncompanioned reaching the absolute seers sages ascetics she goes past them she goes past the palaces of kings all these people she goes past and she knows there is someone waiting for her and that person may be in a forest where there is not even something even the google map will not show that there is a place like that and she hones in right there that's how she comes how the divine each one of us i am sure has our own beautiful story of our journey how could the divine caught us so people often ask how are we initiated in the ashram and old time sadhaks used to say she catches our choti and then she doesn't let us go like a carrot we are dangling but she starts with the choti and after some time all our being is hers so that is how we are initiated where does she initiate we have to go to the ashram she will give a mantra no 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 doesn't worry you may be initiated while taking a stroll on knot place you may be in the busy street and she will come and initiate she doesn't uh, it's not that when we are ready she reaches so we have in quest she comes but there is something we have to do and that is the offering of her being to her that's all that she wants and we have that on page 401 when satyavan sees her what does she say he say although to heaven thy beauty seems allied much rather would my thoughts rejoice to know that mortal sweetness smiles between thy lips we want the divine to be like human you see there is a great difference between the divine becoming human as the avatar and coming close to us and the divine who is out there somewhere as an absolute abstraction beyond thought <laughs> how do we concentrate on that so she comes within the human range that's why the avatar is an unparalleled phenomena and thy heart can beat with it beneath a human gaze and thy and thy aureate bosom quiver with a look and its tumult answer to an earth born voice oh mother can you hear our voice we have not read any of the hymns and prayers in all the shastras can you just listen to my babble if our time vexed affections thou canst feel we don't know what to ask from us we are little issues and little problems can do can you feel all these little issues that vexes earth's ease of simple things can satisfy what i can offer you is not riches and bungalows and palaces i can't make like ravana a sone ka lanka for you but i can offer my heart it's a small little place if thy glance can dwell content on earthly soil and the celestial summary of delight thy golden body dally with fatigue knowing me i can tell you mother you have to work a lot with this fellow can you oppressing with its grace our terrain while the frail sweet passing taste of earthly food delays thee and the torrents leaping wine descend let thy journey cease come down to us come mother come and she comes whenever she devotee a child calls her with a sincere heart she is not uh, you know he will offer so much money therefore I, he she will come she gave that example of the perfect offering gift of shiva to shiva he says that yes your gift is not measured by how much it is measured by the 
completeness of it and she gives the example of a lady whom shiva comes disguised as a ordinary mendicant and asks her for something she is a poor lady she says i don't have anything but i have eaten half my apple and half is kept here i can give it to you if you want and shiva says give me and she says this is the most perfect gift and then she says the gift is even more beautiful because she didn't know he is shiva <laughs> that makes it beautiful Uh, she by doing this she universalizes and she comes and then we know what happens there is the divine marriage the divine betrothal uh, the mystic marriage as is called you know krishna with all the gopis and christ with all his countless uh, you know all the nuns are married to christ and we can say that all of us are married to mother and shurabindu in the deepest sense it's called mystic marriage so there is a mystic marriage that takes place between savitri and satyavan but once it happens now it's our life is no more our baby actually it never was but we lived in that great illusion now it is her baby and what happens next satwan doesn't know he is leading his life just like all of us it's okay we have come here very good mother is there mother is there but she is keeping a watch there is a line as one who leads a race fallen blind they don't even know they don't even listen you know when blind pe- person you are leading and you say be careful he doesn't know what you should be careful about and so it's so difficult to lead so she leads us through the blindness of our ignorance and then destiny approaches with silent feet and satyavan dies and before that or rather i'll read this passage in the end so satyavan dies now you see what happens it's something again very beautiful satyavan is making no effort but what does he do before dying that is important just before he is going to die he lies in savitri's lap and says savitri savitri oh my savitri just come near me just hold me kiss me for a while that's all i want maybe if you are near even death will go away see satyavan's first act is the act of surrender and satyavan's last act is the act of surrender and all the yoga is basically between these two acts great acts and shurvind says that surrender to the divine and infinite mother is the first and the last word of integral yoga so he makes that last act and she then it's no more his journey through death but her journey and she carries satyavan she follows him through the gates of death and we know that there is a long debate and all that happens and death gets transformed basically she doesn't have to engage in debate she could have just said ah there i am but it's not just about one satyavan one satyavan could easily be brought back it's about the destiny of mankind countless satyavan many chinna 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 satyavans and this great shadow which is lurking in man's depths that must be transformed so through all the debate she is transforming death from the restrainer the yamaraja to dharmaraja the upholder of the law the guardian of truth that's what his origin is because yama is the child of sun he is the son of son of sun and <laughs> sun and chaya surya and chaya yama is born so surya gives the law of truth and he is the restrainer he doesn't know so all that he does is restrains so ultimately restrains the breath restrains the life restrains the body yama still one day we are restrained in our upward climbing so he oversteps his brief there is something he is not supposed to restrain he even restrains that 
He doesn't know. He has got only one word in his head. So she reveals to him and says, now move away. Because at the end he says, okay, I am convinced. But who are you? Hiding behind a human form. The eternal truth speaks through thy voice. But I want to see your face and see your power so that I too can bow and worship you. It is about the conversion of death which is one of the most important things. Shubhindra and the mother is not confined to us humans. Uh, we are very important as partners because the work is to be done in us. But there are many actors behind the scene. The gods must consent and the titans must surrender or dissolve or can be converted. So we have this revelation of the Divine Mother on page 664. And Savitri looked on death and answered not. Almost it seemed as if in his symbol shape the world's darkness had consented to heaven light and God needed no more the inconscient screen. A mighty transformation came on her, a halo of the indwelling deity, the immortal luster that had lit her face and tented its radiance in a body's house, overflowing made the air a luminosity. Suddenly she shows him in her sarupa and then what happens next we know the inevitable on page 667 a pressure of intolerable force this is what many people experience in close contact with the mother even then uh, some of the old disciples would say when she, in front of Sri Aurobindo they would feel as if they are entering into infinity into vastness but when mother came there was tremendous pressure of transformation not that she said anything which people mistranslated into, oh, she is a disciplinarian, six, none of those things. But her presence was a, because she brought that transforming energy. And the only way one could bear it was through love, because that's the power of love. Any other thing that we tried, and there was the pressure. And that pressure was felt as intolerable. So, you see, there is a divine intolerance, a pressure of intolerable force. Death is bearing, weighed on his unbowed head and stubborn breast. Light like a burning tongue licked up his thoughts. Light was a luminous torture in his heart. Light coursed a splendid agony through his nerves. His darkness muttered, perishing in her blaze. So we have to bear all this change at one place because within us also along with the immortal wine, there is mixed this little poison of falsehood. So when she starts the cleansing process, it hurts. It's okay. It's the process. She says, endurance and faith. These are the two watchwords. And then we know that death perishes and um, then she has reached the ultimate and wants to bring down the boon for earth. And the boon that she brings... We have on page 696 and 697 we said that she brought these gifts to earth and man but man is not ready. She makes men ready. To become ready we have to go through the gates of death unfortunately. That's how we are. And then she brings these bones. So what is it that the Divine Mother has come to give us? If we value it Thy peace, O Lord, a bone within to keep. Oh, the peace of flight from the world. 
No, not that peace. Thy peace, O Lord, a boon within to keep amid the roar and ruin of wild time. For the magnificent soul of man on earth, thy calm, O Lord, that bears thy hands of joy. Without peace we cannot bear the ananda. In the, amid the roar and ruin of wild time, in peace in the storm, calm in the effort, that peace he wants to bring. Thy oneness, Lord, in many approaching hearts, my sweet infinity of thy numberless souls. Not the oneness that blurts out and di- all difference, but oneness that is enriched by differences. That oneness. Thy energy, Lord, to seize on woman and man, to take all things and creatures in their grief and gather them into a mother's arms perfect solution for all grief, suffering, to fling oneself in her arms and feel the touch of her divine love. And finally she asks, Thy embrace which rends the living knot of pain. Thy joy, O Lord, in which all creatures breathe. Thy magic flowing waters of deep love. Thy sweetness give to me for earth and men. And all these boons are granted and then, you know, there is a passage on page 703 where, you know, what Savitri is, who she is, is beautifully revealed. O Savitri, thou art my spirit's power, the revealing voice of my immortal word, the face of truth upon the roads of time, pointing to the souls of men, the roots to God. This is of course her own being. This applies as much to Savitri, the book. (laughs) The immortal word that opens and points the road to mankind. And at the end, when Satyavan is back to earth and she has got all the boons, and Satyavan gives the first secret, the first act is surrender, the last act is surrender. When he asked, what is the path you have followed? Satyavan, I see you, so luminous. Looks like you have seen the face of God. He also says, Oh, Savitri, looks like we have seen the face of God and our lives are wrapped with eternity. And she says, All now is changed, yet all is still the same. See, when people speak about the mother's withdrawal, it's not withdrawal. It's a transformed being. But nothing of her human approach changes. That's how she revealed herself to Nalnida in 74 or 76. It's a vision where the mother appears in a new and transformed body and she says, I'm here. Just as before, as accessible as before, you can approach me just the same way as a human mother. And countless people, I'm sure, in this very room and world over will testify to the fact and if you tell them that the mother is no more, they'll say there could be nothing more untrue than this. So, All now has changed, yet all is still the same. Heaven's touch fulfills, but cancels not our earth. But she is asked, you have done all this? Seems like the seer and sages are not satisfied. Satyavan says simply lay all on her. She is the cause of all. This is my yoga. Don't ask me how to meditate, 
how to which mantra to do japa with what to do what kind of breathing techniques what asanas i should do i know only one thing lay all on her she is the cause of all so they wonder looking at her they see that her face is a glow with the glow of the suns so they ask what is your secret something you are hiding inside what is the secret that you have come to give to earth and mother's message in these four lines the message of savitri awakened to the meaning of my heart that to feel love and oneness is to live i have not seen i mean there are few lines more powerful than that if you don't feel love in a heart we are as good as dead and she speaks of that there are many men who are living but dead and there are many dead who are more alive awakened to the meaning of my heart that to feel love and oneness is to live and this the magic of her golden change is all the truth i know or seek o sage and then beautiful lines these wondering at her and her two luminous words truth can be so simple and so profound nalnida once he was asked to you know before a play he was asked to speak a few words we program in the ashram and he went to the stage stood silent for a while and then he said love the mother and came back came down yoga and life could be so simple and easy but perhaps love is the most difficult thing for human nature because it always wants it doesn't know how to love even a human being forget about the divine so it wants it is jealous it is full of competition oh mother loves this person more he is closer that person is more you know she loves talented people she loves those who go around and give lecture she loves the wealthy person she loves everyone because she is in wonderful mother of unnumbered souls with that we will end with this passage page 557 this is when savitri recovers the fullness of her being she undertakes the yoga for earth and man she does the yoga for earth and man she completely identifies with earth and all of us and she does the yoga and at the end of her yoga there is something just as ashupati at the end of his yoga he is face to face with the divine mother and the mother at the end of her yoga what does she discover one line on page 556 and then we'll go to the next page her spirit saw the world as living god it saw the one and knew that all was he never a greater truth was ever uttered he in the being he in the becoming he in the past and he moving towards himself in the future when mother used to do the japa of om namo bhagavate people thought oh she is doing something very traditional very good she said no when i do the mantra om namo bhagavate i am invoking the divine of the future it's not just about the mechanical repetition but it's about what is put in the japa so on page 557 with which we will end she was the single self of all these selves she was in them and they were all in her this is our permanent dwelling place all other places 
the world, Auroville, Ashram, Andromeda Galaxy, Mars. <laughs> They're all temporary places. But what is a permanent place is in her. This first was an immense identity in which her own identity was lost. She loses herself in creation and is there in each atom of existence. What seemed herself was an image of the whole. She was a subconscious life of tree and flower, the outbreak of the honeyed buds of spring. That's why they give us joy. Everywhere we, we can in a way glimpse something of her magic and mystery. She burned in the passion and splendor of the rose. See, when we look at a rose and feel joy, it's the Divine Mother who is burning in its splendor and for a moment our eyes turn and we feel happy looking at it. She was the red heart of the passion flower, the dream white of the lotus in its pool. Out of the subconscious life she climbed to mind. She was thought and the passion of the world's heart. She was the Godhead hid in the heart of man. She was the climbing of his soul to God. It is she, a portion of her, that dwells in us as this divine spark and grows into a psychic being. It is Psychic being is nothing else but a portion of the Divine Mother. That is the realization one has when one discovers the psychic being that I am forever, have been forever and will be forever a part and parcel and a portion of the Divine Mother. The cosmos flowered in her. She was its bed. She was time and the dreams of God in time. She was space and the wideness of his days. From this she rose where time and space were not. The superconscient was a native air. Infinity was her movements, natural space. Eternity looked out from her on time. Uh, sorry, we have just flowed with it, but there was no other choice. Thank you. Yes. Thank you, Shraddhavan, for giving this opportunity to speak on the Divine Mother in Savitri. I must tell you, it's been so beautiful for me personally. <laughs>